the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio. Boy, do we have a great show today. I am so excited because my governor, Governor Schwarzenegger, who I am a big, big fan of, one of the greenest governors we may have ever had and may have ever, um, is going to have a global climate summit next week in L.A. And we have his deputy secretary of the California EPA on with us today, and she's going to be talking about who's going to be there, what's going to be discussed, and most importantly, what is going to be accomplished. And I have to say, this is one of the most exciting agendas I have ever seen for a conference, a summit of any kind. And we are just so grateful to be able to share with you, our listeners, the inside scoop, the scoop you will get nowhere else. So it's my pleasure today to welcome Brianda Northcutt. She's our Deputy Secretary of California EPA. Welcome, Brianda. Thank you, Jill. It's good to be here. Oh, we are so excited to hear about Governor Schwarzenegger's Global Climate Summit. First, let's talk about the goal of the summit. What are the objectives for this gathering? Well, you know, I think the most important thing about this summit is we know that this is not California warming. This is global warming. So it's important to the governor, important to California that we coordinate with our partners all over the world. So that's probably the most important thing is that as a state of California, we have many partners in the U.S., in Canada, in Mexico, and now we want to coordinate with those folks who are in China, India, Brazil, Indonesia, and many, many other states, provinces, and nations throughout the world. Well, and, and I say this sometimes when I'm talking about the Go Green initiative, the wind blows and the water flows. So while, you know, the old adage, think globally, act locally, is still very true and something that we want folks to do, if you're in a position like Governor Schwarzenegger to think globally and act globally, what a great thing. That's right. You know, the the exciting thing about this summit is that it is good for California to coordinate because, you know, we have been environmental leaders for many, many years, and this governor especially has put California on this really exciting course to start promoting new technologies that really will make us more efficient, will clean our air, will protect our public health. So by us working with other states and nations, we start to share our ideas, we get some of their good ideas, and we can implement them here. And that not only helps our our people, it helps our economy. Well, and, you know, there are a lot of folks out there who, you know, go to WebEx meetings and, you know, online meetings all the time. And and I've heard it poo-pooed sometimes that we do these conferences anymore. But the fact is, and I'm a true believer in this, there's nothing like having human connections and actually sitting down face-to-face with people and meeting new people in person, live, um, to really start to accomplish, you know, great things. And so when you look at the objectives for this summit, um, what do you hope some of the takeaways will be from putting all these wonderful people in the same room? Well, that's a great question. And I think one of the important things that you just said is that face-to-face relationships because, we're dealing with different cultures um, throughout the world. They sort of see partnerships very differently. So when you're dealing with some of the, the Chinese officials being face-to-face, having that, 
that relationship is so much more effective than, than if it was um, over the phone or, or via video conference. It's so important. And we really are looking forward to sharing with our partners what successes California has had with, with green initiatives. So for example, California is extremely energy efficient. Years ago, we set standards to make our appliances more efficient, to make our, our, our homes and our, and our businesses more efficient. And now we can start to share that with provinces in China that are much like California. They're states inside of the nation of China. And we can show them exactly how we can um, use our energy-efficient ideas and show them how they can take their energy-intensive industries where they're making goods that are, are exported all over the world and reduce their pollution at the same time. Well, and that, that is a really important goal because as we know, um, in order to, to produce energy, um, that takes fuel um, in a number of forms. Could be coal, could be oil, could be natural gas. And those are all finite resources that the, the planet has. And so, you know, if we can help others become more energy efficient, that's going to reduce the global demand on those precious uh, you know, natural resources. That's exactly right, and not, not only reducing our, our dependence on those fossil fuels, but coming up with new, exciting, innovative fuels, alternative fuels that we don't even know about right now, but by setting these standards and, and having these dialogues, we can start to really motivate a new economy, really getting our researchers and our, our entrepreneurs thinking about how we can create this this new generation of, of energy. So those will be some of the topics of our, of our summit, but we certainly have a very aggressive um, set of goals that we'd like to accomplish at the summit. Well, like for instance? Well, for example, we are hoping to talk about some of the building blocks to an uh, eventual international global climate agreement. And that really includes the building blocks of any system, which is emissions reporting. You can't really know how to reduce your emissions until you know exactly how many um, are, are happening. Right. So what, what we want to do in California, we have a voluntary registry system. We now have a climate change law which requires our big emitters to, to report their emissions. And so we want to show folks in China and Brazil and Indonesia that are really learning about these building blocks how it can actually be successful, how um, we can sort of take the, the mystery out of, out of taking action on climate change. I, I think that's wonderful. And in fact, I was at the same gathering with your boss, the secretary of Cal EPA in Beijing on Earth Day this year. And I've been working with the China Entrepreneur Club that put on this first annual Green Business Summit on Earth Day in Beijing. And I found that they were incredibly motivated to create a carbon-free economy. And so I think by including them in the governor's global climate summit, I think you're going to see some amazing synergy. And I think that's a great, great goal and objective. Absolutely. I think China a lot of times gets a bad rap for being emitter of greenhouse gases, and, and while they are growing rapidly, in many cases they're doing more than the U.S. federal government by setting energy efficiency standards, by setting standards for vehicles that make them more efficient. So they, they are doing quite a bit, and I think they're really hungry to learn how to do more so that they can protect their environment, they can protect their water and their air, but they can also reduce greenhouse gas emissions and hopefully at the same time 
save money so that their economy can keep growing. Well, and, and there may be some listeners out there to Go Green Radio that say, well, gosh, what's in it for us if we're working with China? But the fact is they're such a big nation that if we can help them curb carbon emissions, which, by the way, blow across the Pacific and these greenhouse gas emissions don't just stay in China, but also help them reduce you know, their need for these fossil fuels to create energy for their economy, that's good for everybody. Now, Brianda, you guys have some amazing sessions, and I want to talk about the first day of the summit. You have some really top-notch speakers. Walk us through the first day of this summit. Well, the summit really starts out with, um, like I mentioned, the building blocks of a, of a good climate change uh, system, which is reporting. So we start out with how do we, how do we implement an emissions reporting system, and we have folks from uh, BP America, which was actually one of the first large global corporations to start uh, measuring their emissions. We have the senior vice president from Pacific Gas and Electric Company, which in California has been an extraordinary partner in our efforts. Mm-hmm. We have um, Annie Petsonk from Environmental Defense Fund. She's an international counsel for climate change. And the Environmental Defense Fund has been a, a global leader in really engaging developing nations into uh, getting involved in these climate change actions. And, of course, the executive director of the Climate Registry will be there. It's a brand-new um, North American climate registry. It's the, the largest of its kind on this side of, of the globe. And then we have Dr. Liu Gongchong from People's Republic of China. He actually is a very high-level official from the federal government coming to talk about this. And that is – it cannot be overstated what a big deal it is to have some of the, the – the top officials from the Chinese government here talking about these issues. Absolutely. Now, tell us about this first session, collaborating on greenhouse gas reporting. You know, give us the, the wave top version of, of what's going to happen there. What are they going to talk about? What are they going to cover? Um, you know, because I, I want to let all of our listeners know, you can actually watch this live, and I'm going to say this a couple of times, uh, on a webcast, and I'm going to give you the, the uh, web address, in just a few moments, but you don't want to miss this session. So, Brianda, tell us a little bit about this session on greenhouse gas reporting. Well, first of all, it is going to talk about how do we measure emissions from the various industries. So every industry, whether they make widgets or they refine oil or they are just a small business that has administrative support work, they all have some type of emissions that that the, that the business emits, whether it's from a smokestack, whether it's just from energy used by the company, whether it's a fleet of vehicles. And those all are part of reporting emissions. And once a, a business can see where their, where their emissions are really coming from, they can start to tighten up the belt. They can figure out, we, now we know where it's coming from. How do we reduce um, our energy use or our fuel use so we can reduce our emissions? And one of the most important things about this this first panel is really talking about how do we set up standards that are internationally recognized? Because eventually, the hope is that we'll get to this global system where we are able to um, a, a trading system. And an, mm-hmm. unless we have an international standard, it wouldn't be apples to oranges. Or it wouldn't be apples to apples. It would be apples to oranges. So it's right. important that we all have a similar look at it. And again, it's really taking the mystery out of measuring and reporting and verifying. 
Right, right. And, and it's not um, something that, that is all that difficult to do. In reality, um, there are industries in the U.S. and in other places that have been doing this a long time, but it just hasn't become common knowledge. And I'm hoping this panel will help uh, businesses and industries across the world realize um, how simple it can be to, to measure your greenhouse gas emissions once you know where they're coming from. That's exactly right. That's exactly what this panel is for. That's fantastic. Now, I want to let our listeners know how they can actually attend uh, via a webcast this event. It's at uctv.tv slash climate, and we're going to have that up on our uh, website, on the Go Green Initiative website, and in as many places as we can put it. We're going to have it out on our Facebook space as well. Now, Briando, I have a whole bunch more questions, and we are so excited to get more into this um, discussion. Can you hang around with us after this commercial break? Absolutely. Well, that'll be fantastic. Folks, don't go away. More with Governor Schwarzenegger's Deputy Secretary of California EPA, Brianda Northcutt. We'll be right back after these commercial breaks. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Solvanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Solvanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Now, Mrs. Johnson, before we close on your mortgage loan, I want to make sure you remember Mike. Hi. You can trust me. I'm African-American, just like you. So here's the low monthly payments and interest rates we promised, and here's where they triple. The rest of this stuff is just here to make sure that we get your house when you can't pay us back. What a lovely house. Predatory lenders are never this easy to spot. Call us at 866-222-FAIR and protect yourself with the facts. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Fair Housing Alliance and the Ad Council. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay. 
Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Today, we are so thrilled to have the Deputy Secretary of California's EPA on the phone with us, um, on the line. Brianda Northcutt is representing Governor Schwarzenegger's office and talking about a really exciting event, historical event. Next week in L.A., he is hosting a global climate summit. And we've been talking to Brianda about this event, and, and it is going to be amazing. And if you aren't able to get to L.A., don't worry. You can see this webcast live. It's also going to be archived on uctv.tv slash climate. And I'll be blogging about this. I'll be Twittering about it. So if, if you missed that URL, no worries. You'll get it. So, uh, Brianda, welcome back, and thank you for being on Go Green Radio. Absolutely. It's good to be here. Well, we were talking about day one of the summit, and I noticed that you've got a session on energy. Now, will the focus of that session be mainly on renewable energy, or do you think there will be any discussion about nuclear energy? What do you expect out of that panel? Yeah, the panel is actually going to try and cover as much as it possibly can. There's a great list of panelists that are involved. But they're looking at covering actually electricity infrastructure, how to uh, the grid and transmission lines. Then uh, they'll be talking about renewable energy, just like you mentioned. I'm not sure if nuclear will be part of the topics, but they'll definitely be talking about other types of renewable energy as well. And then one of the other things that they, they want to get to is talking about carbon capture and storage, sort of a new technology for sequestering the carbon that comes when you produce power. Mm, tell us more about that. I, that's something that, that's new to me. Well, it's, a, it's sort of a new technology. A lot of folks are looking at it as a very promising uh, way to take the carbon that's emitted when, when power is created and pump it back into cavities in the earth. Wow. So it's not emitted into, into the atmosphere. So it's, it's a promising technology. It certainly um, is something that is not quite ready to go, but there's a lot of research being done on it. Well, and I've been reading, I think the Environmental Defense Fund, is you've mentioned in the last segment, is going to be part of this summit. And I've been reading the book by their executive director, I believe, that's his title, Fred Krupp, um, Earth the Sequel. And he's talking about some of the great innovations coming out of Silicon Valley in the energy arena. I mean, stuff that's going on with solar and, and some of the things that you were talking about in terms of transmission. California really is in a unique position um, in terms of the venture capital that's being invested in these new technologies. So I think it's really cool that you've got people coming from all over the world to talk about what we've been working on in California in the energy sector. 
That's right. We actually have the uh, former ambassador of Poland coming to uh, participate in this panel. We have a representative from Walmart, which, as you know, um, gets a lot of their products from, from China. Mm-hmm. We have um, folks from the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory talking about some of that innovative technology um, and, and many others for solar um, hydrogen Energy International. So there will be a lot of interesting conversations about not only how to make newer types of energy that do not need fossil fuels, but how to expand our, our best energy resource, which is energy efficiency, how to use less energy so that mm-hmm. not as much is needed. Well, and I've got to think, you know, when we talk about renewable energy, sometimes the discussion quickly leads to, you know, the cost, of, of these technologies, but I've got to think, and, and I'm sure that this is part of the governor's wisdom on this, if you bring potential customers for this technology from all over the world um, to one place to talk about this, by increasing the number of buyers, you bring the price down. And, and I think that's kind of an ingenious way of making this technology more cost-effective when you, when you spread out the potential number of buyers. That's right, and I think what's exciting is that because uh, the governor has really put California on this exciting path, we have so much more uh, investment capital coming into California because there's new markets for Mm -hmm. renewable energy. Same thing is happening with uh, the governor's low-carbon fuel standard. If you you create a market for low-carbon fuels, then someone is going to find a way to make those low-carbon fuels. Right. Right. I mean, and that's what is great about Governor Schwarzenegger. He really brings, um, you know, these big, big ideas in terms of, you know, global climate change into interface with his business sense. Um, So it's not pie in the sky. When he comes up with a goal like this, he couples it with smart market approach and Supply and Demand 101, and I think that's what makes him successful and what will make his plan successful in the long haul. Absolutely, and I I think the fact that California is one of the top ten economies in the entire world really shows the power that California has to shape the international discussion on climate change. Absolutely. Now, later in that first day of the summit, you have a session on greenhouse gas emission reporting. We were talking a little bit about that in the last segment. But do you think that methane gases from landfills will be part of that discussion? Because I know I've been reading lately that, you know, the methane that comes off of landfills, the greenhouse gas emissions from methane are are much more concentrated than even, you know, what's coming out of our tailpipes and what's coming out of coal-fired energy plants. Do you think that that will be part of that discussion? You know, it could very well be part of that discussion. I know um, everywhere in the world we deal with with garbage. And so it's, it's important to figure out, how are we going to reduce the amount of garbage that's in landfills, but then how do we, we capture the methane that, that's emitted? So it could very well be part of that discussion. Well, I happen to know, this is a little inside scoop for you, that the Chief Sustainability Officer for Covanta Energy, which operates in California, um, they have several plants, energy from waste plants, will be at the summit. So you're going to want to wrangle him, his name's Paul Gilman, and say, hey, Paul, tell us how we can 
stop sending stuff to landfills and create renewable energy out of, of that material. So I'll, I'll hook you guys up. I'll make that little green Cupid connection for you. Okay, that's great. <laughs> well, I'm also really eager to see the panel on transportation because I recently attended an event with Union Pacific, and they were talking about the efficiencies in the rail industry, and that, that really surprised me. I didn't realize how green that form of transportation could be. Do you think during that session there's going to be some discussions on maybe increasing the railway infrastructure as a means of reducing emissions that come from other means of moving goods? What do you expect? That's a good question. I, I think the transportation uh, panel will really talk about uh, just what you're saying, the types of goods movement, uh, types of goods movement that there are here in, in California and around the world. And in addition to those types of discussions, they'll be talking really about what, what you and I face every day is how do we create more walkable cities? Right. How do we use more public transportation? Um, well, and what's neat about who you have coming is that it's not just at the national level. I mean, the, part of what's going on with this summit, and I love the, the write-up that you guys have about it, is that you're bringing not just national and state-level folks, but local and regional government leaders together as well. So we're, you're going to be really covering a panoramic uh, view of how to create sustainable communities from the local to the state to the nation and to the world. I think that's really neat. That's right, and I think that's exactly what's so unique about this summit is that we really are trying to find the successes that are happening out there, whether it's at the local level, a city, or if it's happening at a state or a province or a nation, and we want to share that with others. This really is about building those relationships so we can um, stop recreating the wheel and just start implementing the successful strategies that someone else has already come up with. How about it? I mean, that's a great way of looking at it. Now, this is pretty cool. On day two of the summit, you've got governors from, I believe, five states opening that day. I think that's pretty remarkable. Now, tell us a little bit about Governor Schwarzenegger's work with each of these states and why the governors from these particular states are going to be headlining at the summit. Well, you know, in, in the U.S., more than half of American states have climate action plans in place. So there are a lot of governors in the U.S. that are, are taking aggressive action on climate change, and I really think that that is going to pour over into our, our federal government as well. But these four governors that, have, um, that are co-hosting this summit are quite incredible. Um, at least three of them are members of the Midwestern Greenhouse Gas Reduction Accord. That's happening in the Midwest. That's the mm -hmm. governors of of Illinois, Wisconsin, and Kansas. I'm very proud of that, by the way, because I'm from Illinois. So okay. I feel a special special pride in knowing that my, my former governor, you know, former state governor is going to be there. That's awesome. Yes, but go Governor, ahead. Governor Boglovich will be there. But I wanted to mention Governor Kathleen Sebelius. She's the governor of Kansas, and she's, she's very well known for vetoing bills from the legislature that would have allowed major expansion of coal-fired power plants in western Kansas. So we have these, these governors that are really leading by, by action. Mm -hmm. Governor Jim Doyle of Wisconsin has established a task force on global warming, and he set very aggressive goals for his state. He has renewable portfolio standards for energy in his state as well. And then in Florida, Governor Charlie Crist, he also has set very aggressive goals to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. He set energy efficiency standards for for appliances, and he also has a, a team of individuals on his staff that are really working to um, set up a climate action plan. And that is fantastic. I mean, you're really bringing together 
um, some, some amazing leaders. Uh, you work for an amazing leader. And I'm just so excited about this gathering, and I want to make sure that all of our listeners get out there and watch the webcast next Tuesday and Wednesday, November 18th and 19th, on uctv.tv slash climate. Brianda, it was an absolute joy to have you on, and I hope you'll join us again on Go Green Radio. I look forward to joining again. Well, thanks so much. Um, folks, don't go away. Go Green Radio. We'll be right back. We've got an amazing second half of the show to share with you. So we will be back with more Go Green Radio in just a moment. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. No excuses, no delays. If you have goals you want to achieve or changes you need to make, then it's time to take charge of your life with America's Change Buddy, Nancy Christie. This show will help you lead a more productive and fulfilling life starting now. Take Charge of Your Life challenges you to expand your sense of possibilities. Take Charge of Your Life with Nancy Christie is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America. Let change be a positive force in your life. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Solvanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Solvanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. We have another amazing guest. It wasn't enough to have Governor Schwarzenegger, Deputy Secretary of the California EPA, on to talk about his historic event next week, his Global Climate Summit. Um, We have David Fay on with us today. He's the technology manager of Shinbro Corporation, which truly, truly is a world leader in cutting-edge green building. In fact, they are building the largest green resort destination in the world. It's called Destiny USA. And uh, we're going to be talking about that project and talking about Shinbro's uh, unique way of accomplishing uh, green building and using technology to do so. Welcome, David. Thanks for coming on Go Green Radio. Well, thank you, Jill, and thank you for having me on the show today. 
Well, it's my pleasure. Uh, now, I met David, uh, for all of our Go Green listeners, um, I met David last weekend, actually. We were talking at a summit about universal design, and we got to talking about Destiny USA, this amazing project. Um, some of our listeners know what Destiny USA is because we've talked about it on the show before, but David, give us a rundown. Help our listeners come up to speed if they don't know about the Destiny USA project. Sure. Um, so, you know, the the, um, the project is really an amazing project, and it's it's really driven by the vision of our client and the founder of Destiny USA, who is Bob Conjol. And, you know, what we find amazing is the commitment of our team to make this the greenest construction site anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And, it's not, and it's not just about doing it during the building process, which is something that we're heavily involved in now, but it's beyond. It's, it's you know, the future. It's when the building is operational and, and all the facilities are operational. And right now we're, we're building the first phase of that project, first phase of Destiny USA. Um, what is just, Destiny USA? What's sure. It, what's it going to be? I mean, for those who, who uh, you know, are unfamiliar with this, when, when the project is finished, what is it? You know, sure. what kind of building is it? Great question. Well, it's a it's multiple buildings, but it's it's a destination, and it's it's going to consist of uh, you know a retail shopping experience, uh, hotel accommodations, entertainment, culinary experiences, office complexes, uh, just a combination of it's a multi use facility um, here in Syracuse, New York, and uh, really and really as, as part of this first phase, which is really bringing that. Um, shopping center together, the expansion of the current Carousel Mall in Syracuse, New York. We want to bring a shopping experience like no other. And and tell us a little bit about that. I mean, I know I'm interested. When you say shopping experience, my antennas go up, and I'm sure a lot of our Go Green listeners um, are the same way. Tell us what's unique about Destiny's shopping experience. Well, what's unique is really that we, we see a lot of value in what can be done over the Internet, um, and we also see a lot of value about what can be done in a, in a standard retail play, uh, facility, and, and the intent is to combine those two environments and, and really bring an experience that, that no one has really had before. And from an environmental perspective, where we're planning on this facility using you know solar and wind and reusing the grease from the food court, for example, to power the facility, so it's self-sustaining. You know, in fact, the you know our plans are for the largest roof-mounted solar array in the U.S. Um, wow. to be mounted on this facility. And you know, we have some ideas about how we're going to deliver those experiences, and some of those details we're still working out. But you know, not only do we have some plans in place, but we have uh, you know our view is um, that this is a living laboratory and that we're going to learn and adapt along the way. So, you know, we're not going to have everything right right out of the gate, but we're going to, you know, we're going to learn from, you know, the, the customers and their experience, and we're going to build on that and, 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 like I said, use this as a living laboratory. I love that because, you know, so many times those of us in whatever field we're in feel like we have to have all the answers right at the beginning. And I think that people, customers and, and users of our work sometimes are actually more attracted to quote-unquote experts who are willing to say, I'm human, I'm learning, this is the process. And I love the fact that this entire project is that human, you know, that, that everybody's willing to say, hey, we don't have it all figured out at the beginning, but we're going to learn along the way and constantly improve. I think people respect that. Well, that's, that's good, and that's, you know, that's what we're hoping for, and we think that's the, the most practical way to approach it. Well, now, you're the technology manager for Shembro. Tell us specifically what you've seen and what you've done on this project. Sure, absolutely. 
So I think one of the, the key thing that I've seen on this project, um, different than, than any other really, is that uh, is really a two key initiatives that drive the, the project, and that's our focus on, A, improving uh, what is a $1.5 trillion industry in construction and really completely reinventing it through technology and through sustainable building practices. And that, you know, of course, that, um, you know, the important part being here that we can take uh, an environmentally sustainable um, process and apply it in, in what has been, you know, for many, many years, let's just say not the most environmentally, environmentally friendly uh, workspace. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 what, and so what we found, you know, is uh, that the, but what we found through this process is that both of them go in hand in hand. And, you know, looking back on it, it seems logical now, but, you know, it wasn't really until we actually put the technology and the process in place that we really saw the true potential of, you know, of A, you know, the way technology can pr improve construction, but how it can be sustainable at the same time. Well, tell us a little bit more about that. Specifically, how have you been able to use technology um, to accomplish these goals? Well, what we've done here um, is, uh, you know, from a tactical perspective, is we've used tablet PCs in the field, and we've used field-based software. We've used some web-based tools, and all in an effort to reduce the waste that's often associated with the construction process, so really the improving the efficiency of the construction process. And additionally, what we've done is encourage our subcontractors to join us on this journey, which I, I think is, is rare, and that, you know, we're proud, of, of course, what, of what we've done, but we're also equally as proud of our partners. And, and we have, you know, many of them on this project, you know, from our concrete to our plumbing to our HVAC, all of our subcontractors that work with us. And, and they've all embraced the technology and they've embraced the fact that we want to work in an environmentally sustainable way. And, and what's this a, oh, ahead, sorry. I mean, like, no, go right I, I, How did this start? I mean, you know, it's not every day that you find a company that, is willing to kind of shake everything up, their whole operation, um, and then have it trickle down to their supply chain or their subcontractors. Tell us, what was the kernel or the seed that started all of this? What was the impetus to say, you know what, we're going to do this great big huge project and we're going to do it in a sustainable way? How did that start? Well, I think it starts with having a vision, and, and like I said, that was Bob Condell. He's our owner, and, and that was his vision from the start, and he hasn't wavered from that vision. It, was, it wasn't that uh, his vision was not that there were any options. They were, his vision was, um, you know, we are going to change the construction industry. We are going to build this as a completely sustainable, environmentally sustainable uh, facility. And uh, as you mentioned, the meeting we were at recently on the global universal design, it will be 100% universal. And, and so, you know, it makes it very simple at that point. There, there is no option. There's no question uh, that that's the way we're going to operate. And, and uh, you know, like I said, you know, you, when you have a, a lot of different contractors and subcontractors on a po project, obviously you have a lot of moving parts, but the fact that everybody stepped up and accepts that vision uh, and is supporting us as we drive that forward is, is very important to us. And, uh, you know, now, you know, I spend my days looking at everything we do, and, and our, I, a lot of our subcontractors do as well. They, you know, people come up to me all the time with new ideas, and, you know, we're always asking ourselves, you know, what can, what can we do, um, how can we do things uh, with less effort and less impact on the environment, and, and at the same time do those things better, cheaper, and smarter, and, and we keep coming back to the fact that, yeah, we can do that. It, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not, we have no question that we can make some of this stuff happen, and, and we have great partners on this project, and, uh, you know, we look forward to, you know, pushing the envelope on, technology and, uh, and, and being environmentally friendly. Well, and, and that's, that's what I wanted to understand. I mean, because I've met Bob a couple of times. Bob Congel is a very visionary man. Um, 
And, and really, so what you're saying is it was really his insistence that started this whole chain of events, um, that this would be uncompromisingly a sustainable project from end to end. That's pretty amazing. That's correct. Um, now, tell us about this idea of making the project kind of a learning laboratory. Was it the intention from the beginning to make this something that not just you all would learn from, but that others could learn, uh, that this process that you're tweaking out as you go could be replicated in other projects. Absolutely. That's exactly what it's about, and that's really why we refer to it as a living laboratory is, is so that others can, see, can can come here and experience it and see what we're doing, and, and we're not afraid to fail. Um, you know, there aren't any checklists out there um, about how to do this. You know, we can't ask anyone else, you know, how, how to do what we're doing here. So, um, you know, we feel like... Um, let's let's do this uh, as a living laboratory. Let's put the technology that's currently available in place. Let's look at emerging technology, things that have never been tried before, and let's try them. Some things are going to work and some things aren't. Well, and you know what's really cool about this? Now, I, I am pretty transparent on this. I love private industry free market solutions. As much as I think it's important for, you know, governments to take strong action, for, you know, government leaders to, to do their part. There's really no substitute for a Bob Conjol out there in the private industry, you know, driving these kinds of innovations. I don't know that there's a way to replicate that kind of vision and that kind of inspiration through the use of taxpayer dollars. I mean, I really think this is kind of a special situation. Well, it is, and uh, you know, it is in a special situation, and, and we're proud of what we're doing out here, and you know, the, the you know. Um, you know, the opportunity that we have, and, and we look forward to, you know, what we want to do uh, as part of it being a living laboratory. It doesn't mean it's, you know, it's some things that we learn along the way. We can't find ways to replicate and, and find repeatable ways to use some of these solutions, and, and that's some of the things we hope to do as well. And we have some great um, partners on the project. You know, from an innovation perspective, you know, we work with companies like Motion Computing and Vela Systems and Autodesk, and, and it's all in an effort to not only automate the process, but, again, because, again, like I said earlier, these things go hand-in-hand. Hand. You know, we have found that by doing that, we have, uh, you know, we've um, uh, created an environment that, that's, you know, very environmentally friendly. Uh, you know, I don't know how else to say it. And, you know, we've taken that equipment, we've strategically placed it around the job site to re replace paper plans, for example, and, and, and to replace documents in people's hands. And so that, that one of the core components of this is the paperless initiative um, is one of the key things that we've implemented. And when we say paperless... How did paperless, you do that? I mean, I'm thinking of a construction site without paper. How in the world is that accomplished? That's incredible. Yeah, well, it's, it's, uh, it takes some time. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously uh, in a construction environment, we have a lot of people who haven't used technology before. And so what we've done is we've been very um, tactical in how we've handled that, how we've approached that, and how we've worked with our partners. And, and we've put these you know, the technology in people's hands, uh, again, starting out with tablets, and, and we used Microsoft's OneNote application to really replicate the process of writing on a piece of paper except doing it on a tablet. And it, it really wasn't a big, as big a jump as, as people might think. And by taking those small tactical steps and bringing people to up to speed on technology, we've really steadily increased our, excuse me, decreased our use of paper to the point where we don't have any on the site. We don't, we don't need Paper. We have, uh, you know, we use Autodesk Constructware product, which allows us to centrally manage our, you know, it's a document management system and manage our, our um, project through that that tool. And so, so as we've added these technologies, we've made it easier and easier for our people in the field to to use them. 
and again to replace paper and when we talk about that we're not just talking about paper you know when you think about it we have no pens no toner no staples no paper clips no tape and they've all been replaced by technology so there's a lot more to it than just the paper and uh, that in, is in, so cool, and we're going to talk to you more about this because I'm fascinated. Right after this break, we're going to bring David back to talk about more of the sustainable construction site at Destiny USA. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more Go Green Radio. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at one 866 472 5787 1-866-472-5787. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Hi, my name is Aaron, and I'm a survivor of mannequinism. Mannequinism is basically when you turn into a hard plastic shell. It saves from not being politically active. For me, it started when I didn't register to vote. And then I stopped volunteering, and before I knew it, I wasn't doing anything. And that's when I found a small patch of plastic on my right shoulder. Protect yourself from mannequinism. Log on to fightmannequinism.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Do you know what the most complex piece of your business capital investment is? Is it the technology? Is it the infrastructure? Could it be the office and corporate structure? The most complex piece of your business capital investment is the human being. Return on Human Capital is a unique program that discusses some of the most important issues facing leaders in business. Join your hosts, Howard Pines and Jay Santamaria, for Return on Human Capital, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. We have David Fay, the technology manager for Shinbro Corporation. They are the green builders for one of the most aggressively sustainable, awesome projects I've ever heard of. It's Destiny USA in Syracuse, New York. And David, welcome back to Go Green Radio. We are so happy you're with us. Thanks. I'm happy to be back. Now, Destiny USA is going to be LEED certified, but before we talk about that, some of our listeners may not be familiar with what it means to be LEED certified through the U.S. Green Building Council. Can you tell us quickly what it means to be LEED certified? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, being LEED certified is, is basically, uh, you know, that you've followed the uh, standards that 
the um, U.S. Green Building Council has put together behind the lead process, and it really provides a roadmap of these of identified best practices for reducing our reliance on fossil fuels. And for us, what it means to us is that you know we are making a significant co contribution to the health and well-being of our environment, and you know the cert being certified and receiving a certification is is you know validation that we've made good decisions for the environment. And you know from our perspective, it doesn't end there, but it's certainly it's certainly a you know the, like I said the roadmap to getting there. Now, Destiny USA is a unique project in the world of lead certification. Um, tell us about how it's a little bit uh, kind of a, a leader in this process. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think what makes us unique is not only not only that we're seeking lead certification as it stands, but it's it's more important. It's that you know we seek to be involved in that process. So not only uh, taking standards that exist, but but supporting the U.S. Green Building Council and finding ways to you know help. Um, Build on those standards and to, to um, you know bring things that we learn out in the field, you know, real world examples to the U.S. Green Building Council and and have them incorporate that into the process. Now, Shinbo is working with some of its technology partners to automate lead tracking um, without giving away any top secret patented information. Tell us what you can about how you're taking lead to the next level. Oh, absolutely, and you're absolutely correct. We're and we're very proud of our team's efforts, all of our technology partners that have joined us on this. And we recently met with the U.S. Green Building Council here in New York, um, the New York chapter, and, and we signed a memo of understanding um, together with our owner, our technology, and our architecture partners to create this solution for tracking lead progress in the field. And, you know, we believe we have the team that is, uh, has the experience in the construction and, and obviously with the U.S. Green Building Council, their, their knowledge of, of sustainability, that we have the team to make this happen. And we're really excited about the opportunity. And uh, you know, we're looking forward as the de as we pull these details together with sharing them with the rest of the industry, rest of the world, and, and those interested in the initiative. How is it going to make it easier? I mean, for people that might be listening out there who are considering building a LEED certified building, how is what you're doing with this technology to track LEED uh, certification as you go? How is it going to make their life easier? How's life going to change for them? Well, right now the process there's a lot of checklists and a lot of um, you know, a lot of documentation that goes along with that process, and, and we really think that we can, with some of the tools that we use now, uh, we can modify those tools and improve upon them and uh, integrate the, those checklists and, and that documentation into a, a process that, that brings the standards and their requirements, um, you know, to the end user, to the person in the field that's actually um, implementing you know, in this case, construction that requires tracking for lead purposes. So we really want to bring that capability to the field uh, and, and automate that whole process so that data is captured in the field in real time and and, uh, and updates the, uh, you know, the lead tracking system, which exists currently, uh, you know, in a real-time basis, as I said. Well, and you were telling me one example when we met last weekend. You were saying how, for instance, uh, furniture sometimes has VOC gases, which need to be off-gassed before the furniture is put into the space that it's ultimately going into. And you were saying that you have a tracking device that will help the folks in the field know, uh, first of all, when the furniture came in uh, and how long it has to be off-gas and when it's ready to actually be moved in. That's pretty cool. Exactly. Yep, that's something we're working uh, Our friends at Vela Systems are working on, and uh, you know, we look forward to continuing working, working with them on this uh, this, and building this tool for to encompass everything, not only just the off-gassing, but every other component of LEED. Well, and you were also saying that, you know, in addition to what you're doing to create a green building, your operations, I mean, you've gone paperless, you've done some other things to actually make your business operations more 
sustainable and green, you're using 100% biofuels uh, to actually fuel the equipment as you build. Um, was it difficult to find that much supply of biofuels at first for a project this big? Uh, it, initially, it was, and it was. But over time, we've uh, you know we've worked with. Uh, uh, vendors and found reliable sources, and and now we have a very effective re refueling process. And you know, the first obstacle of that whole process was really working with the manufacturers, uh, you know, who were not prepared at the time. Uh, one, you know, in addition to some of the other things I mentioned, and in, in addition to you know, as a specific within the uh, Bob's vision of us being totally environmentally sustainable was that we would use B100 from the beginning. And um, the manufacturers had a hard time with that initially. They're, they were more comfortable with B5. So <laughs> you, mm -hmm. you see the kind of gap we were working with. But uh, uh, we all came together and, you know, worked with them steadily. We, we steadily increased our mix until we were able to get to a point uh, where we could use B100, and that's what we use on the job site now. And, you know, the, it's been a complete success. You know, not only can the machines handle it, as we've found out, but, the uh, you know, the biofuel actually has a benefit of cleaning the engine components. And, and most importantly, there's no noxious fumes surrounding our workforce on a daily basis, and instead they're surrounded by the smell of French fries. <laughs> that doesn't stink. I would love that. <laughs> I love French fries. So, so David, you know, let me get this straight. Shinbo is not only building one of the largest green buildings on the planet, but your business operations are also incredibly green. I can't think of a single reason why every project manager in the U.S. wouldn't be knocking down your door. You must be pretty hopeful about the future of your company. Absolutely, we are, and, and we're excited about the facility we're building here, and, and, and excited about taking the things that we've learned here and replicating those, as I said earlier, and, and, and applying those to other projects that we have. And, and we've always tried to provide our customers with the very uh, best construction services available, and, and we hope that others are going to follow our lead on this. That is so cool. David, thank you so much for joining us on Go Green Radio today. It was such a pleasure. I hope you'll come back and join us another time. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you for having us. You bet. You bet. Well, I am going to switch gears here and answer an email that came in from Jessica. Uh, she's a college student in Florida, and she sent me an email um, and asked a couple of questions. Um, she said, first of all, what are the benefits to recycling? And secondly, why is it so hard to get people to recycle? Jessica, I'm so glad you asked. Um, first of all, some of the benefits um, to recycling are, first of all, you use less energy. Uh, when we are recycling things that uh, that we could be creating new things out of, for instance, like aluminum cans, it only takes 5% of the amount of energy to create an aluminum can out of recycled aluminum than it would to create a new aluminum can out of virgin aluminum materials. So one of the biggest benefits to recycling, Jessica, is that we save energy. And then you ask why it's so hard to get people to recycle. I think one of the primary reasons for that is that sometimes we just don't make it easy. For instance, I was in, a, in an airport this past week, and there were beautiful, really fancy garbage cans, not a single recycling can to be found. So I think for those of us who are planning how you know, solid waste is going to be managed, whether it's at a school, whether it's in a city, in an airport, the key is to make it simple. If you can put recycling cans right next to garbage cans, people will do it. People want to do it. Um, and I think that, that we simply get people motivated to recycle by making it obvious that it's something we care about, by putting the receptacles right by the garbage can and giving people that easy choice to do the right thing with their recyclables. And Jessica, you asked me finally, what can you do to change things? Um, I think that you could get out there and you can talk about the information we have on the Go Green Initiative website, which is www.gogreeninitiative.org. We've got tons of resources for you out there. 
and I'd love to see you put them in place out there in Florida. So, Justin, thanks for emailing us at Go Green Radio. Folks, we'll be back next week, same time, same place. More Go Green Radio. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.